Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Developmental Podcast. This is Season 1, Episode 6. I'm your host, Grant Ingersoll, and today I'm excited to have with me the CEO of Freedom, Fred Stutzman, a startup based here in my current hometown of Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Fred, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Hey, Grant. Thanks for having me. Hey, Fred. So starting off, perhaps you could just introduce yourself and to our listeners, fill them in a little bit on your background. Sure, sure, sure. So, um, yeah, uh, I am the CEO of Freedom, uh, founder of Freedom, freedom freedom.to is how you find us or just Google Freedom. We should come up. Um, We make software that helps people be uh, more productive by reducing distractions. We've got a platform that works across all your devices. Uh, We make it so that you can turn off the noise, you know, whether it be emails or texts or notifications or any of the distractions that sort of compete for your time when you're trying to get focus work done. Um, So I run that company. I've run that company uh, for uh, almost going on 10 years um, at this point in time. And the company's had various iterations. Uh, Freedom started as an app uh, that I made as a side project. Uh, It eventually grew into something that I um, uh, knew was going to be a little bit more scalable. So I uh, turned it from a side project into my main my main gig, and then um, a couple of years ago, uh, really saw that there was an opportunity here and started working on scaling it and growing it even larger. And now we're a uh, eleven person company. Um, my background is uh, I've I've been in tech for most of my career, kind of walking the lines between uh, development and um, you know what we now call DevOps. You know, but back in the day, I was a a sysadmin in college, um, and uh, and and I also spent a good bit of time studying, researching technology in graduate school uh, in an area you know which we call human-computer interaction. So uh, I have a, a development background and kind of a, a research background that studies uh, how people use technology, and that kind of comes together nicely in a lot of the work that I do, uh, which is, you know, both about building tech, but building tech to change people's use of tech. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of it in the nutshell. Yeah, I love the Freedom user. And by the way, a shout out to Freedom. I am a, I am a user as well. And I can tell you it's, it's made a big difference in, in the way uh, I manage distractions. Uh, I, I think anybody who reaches an executive level, you, you're constantly trying to figure out how do you better value your time. And, and sometimes you just need to say, you know what, I'm going to turn things off so that you can, you can spend uh, all your efforts, all your brain cycles on, on focusing on what needs to be focused on. Mm-hmm. That's a great intro, Fred. And I, and I love one of the thing, a couple of things that really strike me about your background that I think would be of interest to our listeners and that, you have this mixture of let's call it academia and entrepreneurship, right? You know, I think looking at your LinkedIn profile at times, you you were a full on professor, you've Mm -hmm. you've done the postdoc route and the PhD route and and professorship route. And then you've also started a couple of companies, you know, how did you end up in, in either or both of those places? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, the the your career path. I mean, a lot of it is meeting the right people at the right time, um, and uh, and your network, and um, 
and just being around interesting people. Um, that really is kind of a lot of the story of my career. I mean, I've, I've always tried to, you know, when I was getting started, um, I just always was very proactive about reaching out to projects that I thought were interesting and, you know, even just volunteering my time. Um, one of my first jobs out of college was at a, a project called iBiblio, which was uh, previously known as Sunsight hmm. and Metalab. Uh, we were one of the largest open source repositories of information. So we hosted Linux distributions. We were a free and open source library. Um, and uh, at the time, I was very in, into uh, into free and open source software. And, and I reached out to the people who ran that project and said, I want to get involved. And eventually I like cornered them and said, I want to get involved. And uh, they, you know, it never worked. They, they were too, they had too many people, you know, working for them at the time. But like eventually, finally, I ended up getting the job there. And so, you know, that as I kind of look at my career, like I, I've, I've written a lot of cold emails. I've told a lot of people, hey, I'm, I like what you're doing. I want to get involved. And uh, that's, that's kind of worked out. Um, and, and as a founder of a company, I've definitely been, um, uh, you know, <laughs> seen, seen that work the other way. If somebody writes you a flattering note, uh, you're, you're oftentimes very likely to, uh, you know, uh, look at them a little bit more favorably. So, yeah, I, I just kind of always went after interesting projects. And um, those projects uh, tended to have some uh, sort of technical aspect and be involved in a research aspect as well. So um, my, my background, uh, I had a computer at a very early age and learned how to, you know, code at a very early age, kind of self-taught and was just kind of a hacker as, as um, you know, growing up grade school and high school. Um, and when I went to college, I, I didn't major in computer science. I took some computer science courses, but um, at, UNC didn't actually have a CS program at the time and applied mathematics program. Hmm. Um, but uh, the, I was looking really for more, um, you know, just hands-on uh, coding, you know, cause I sort of understood the fundamentals and I wasn't really interested in learning, you know, becoming an expert at algorithms. Like I, I, I build stuff. I'm a hacker. Um, I'm not the guy you hire to make your software super elegant. I'm, you know, I'm the, I'm the ideas and let's build and prototype. And uh, so anyway, I, I took a bunch of CS courses, but I didn't major in CS, majored in economics because I was very interested in hmm. uh, social systems. And so um, I, I've had these two interests through, through my career, sort of building tech and tech's impact. And so that, that kind of was a natural, you know, and I worked a couple of jobs um, got very interested in sort of the impact of the internet, and that was a very natural sort of transition for me to uh, study it. So study the impact of technology, and that's largely what I did mm. as a graduate student. I had an opportunity to work with um, work with Gary Marchini, who we both know, and Gary Gary gave me a a lot of leeway as a graduate student to um, go after. Um, areas that I thought were interesting. And that just naturally led to the creation of products. Um, you know, when you're, when, you're, when you're in an information school and you're building and studying sort of how people use information, um, you, you, can, you do end up building a lot of tools. You build things to test your hypotheses. And uh, a lot right. of that then turn into little products that I would create. And some of them would turn into companies. So as you said, yeah, I've started a few companies. 
um, largely around these ideas. So my first company was Claim ID, which was a, a online identity management service for the social web, um, and uh, you know ran that. Learned a, learned a lot about uh, kind of scaling up a company there, and just kind of followed that that path. Um, what's been if I can jump in, what, what's been the biggest challenge in, in terms of making that leap from academia into entrepreneurship? I mean, I think, you know, you know, I've, I've worked with a, a lot of research as well, a lot of academic work and, and it's often a very different way of thinking between like, how do you develop a research idea and prove out a hypothesis and then, you know, selling something for money and having to sell it actually have to market and sell it and, and, yeah. and convince other people to actually give you money. I mean, obviously the grant process and things like that have that involved, but very different going after the consumer market versus going after, you know, kind of federal grant money or those kinds of things. How, mm-hmm. how does that, uh, how did you leverage one into the other and what were some of the challenges there? Yeah, um, I think, you know, there are definitely people who are good at both of those things, but um, I was probably just good at one. You know, I don't, I don't think I was as good as the, at the, um, the, the grant route, the academia route. I mean, I, I really enjoyed my time in academia and I loved having the ability to, you know, identify kind of a novel problem and work on it and research it and, and understand it. But um my heart was always in kind of building stuff and having the market kind of prove out whether or not it works. And, um, and I don't really know where that came from. Um, but I've, I've always been interested more in my technology, you know, the things I build having a real world impact. So, uh, that can be at odds with, uh, with academia. Um, not to say that like academia doesn't care about real world impact, but, um, you know, I, I just, wouldn't be as interested in things that were a little bit more navel gazy um, and didn't have kind of the potential of, you know, if I'm going to work on something, I want it to be something that is going to have an impact. So I would just kind of be more consistently drawn towards, you know, things that have consumer potential or, you know, have, have uh, potential for scale. And, um, and I think, you know, from a career perspective, uh, you know, it is, <laughs> once you're in academia, you know, it is, you talk about if you if you leave it, and I, I I really hate to think that you know I've left it because I, I don't think I have. I mean I'm very much still a researcher, but um, you know if you if you do go and start a company, it is a huge huge leap. You know everyone looked at me and said it's crazy. What are you doing? And um, and uh, you know I just said well uh, I've I've got an idea that's working, and I, I want to chase it down and see what happens. And and uh, you know I'm yeah. sure, I'm sure I I want to. Yeah, I want to come back to that a little, the, how you actually brought freedom to fruition, because I think there's something really neat there. But, you know, one of the things on the academic side I look at is it's, it's really just the time horizons are different, you know, oftentimes, right? Like yeah. when you're doing basic core research, you might be looking at something that might not hit for 10, 20 years, right? Like you look right. at some of the deep learning work that has changed the world as of the last five years, the, the core pioneering research was done in the 90s. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, co- coming back to you know freedom a little bit here. So this, as I understand it, this this was a side project that you built in order to help you complete.
complete your PhD. Is that right? Is it, is it kind of a way of solving this problem for yourself of the internet is just too distracting sometimes? Is that right? Yep. Yeah. And it's funny, like I've, I've definitely started projects where, you know, the, the, the goal from the beginning was to make something that had kind of a large scale impact, but this really was not the case. Um, and, and the story is I was in graduate school and um, one of the things that we studied was we were studying social media and the impact of social media. So I could kind of justify being on social media as part of my work. But, you know, mm-hmm. that was that was not that was not helping me get my work done. So I would just go to this one coffee shop that didn't have Wi-Fi uh, to work and um, I would get a lot of work done and be able to focus. And, and it was wonderful. And then one day uh, they installed a Wi-Fi access point and uh, it just changed it changed my strategy. So I, I built I built the first version of Freedom, which was really nothing more than a little Mac app that would turn off the internet for 45 minutes. I, I built that just to kind of solve my problem. And I noticed that it worked. Beautiful. Uh, and then I shared it and yeah, it kind of went from there. Uh, and then people started saying, when was that aha moment where you set up? People are willing to pay me for this. And and then that aha moment of like wow I can I should quit my my main job and, and go do this yeah I mean there are there's like five years between or like four years between uh, point A and point B but now it was like pretty early on um, it, I you know I gave I put it on my website and people could just download it and um, mm. I was just I was just getting so much email from people asking for new features and I said well you know if I invest some time in this, I can actually charge for it, um, you know. And so after maybe a year, I I took that original code base down, I rewrote it, I made a Windows client, and um, I charged like 10 bucks for it. And, uh, and yeah, like overnight, it started making money. And, um, hmm. and from there, you know, it just kind of continued where people would continue to ask for things. I put features in. Um, and, you know, just sort of saw the problem starting to scale up and realizing there's a bigger opportunity here. And, but it wasn't until like 2012, 2013 that, and that's, you know, four years in that I said, I'm, I think I can, you know, kind of try and make this my full-time gig. And, um, it just so happened that an incubator was opening up in Chapel Hill, to, you know, to help startups uh, get started. And, hmm. you know, I said, listen, I, you know, I can take a, I can do this for a year. If I, if it doesn't work out, I can go back to on my sort of previous career trajectory and, you know, it'll, it'll be a worthwhile experience. And, um, you know, thankfully things worked out. So, uh, but it, it took a while. I, I had a lot of evidence before I, you know, made that leap. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I will, and, and part of what freedom is doing is convincing people to be more focused. And I love the way you've you've marketed that too, because you know, many, you know, at first glance, people think, "Oh, I'm going to be deprived of something, right?" The internet, but but in reality, what the what you're actually giving them is that freedom to to focus on something. So, oh, yeah. uh, you know. Sh- Shifting gears and focusing a little bit more on the, the actual CEO role. I mean, this is presumably a on-the-job training type role for you in that, you, you know, you've, you've been preparing in many ways to build the software and all of that. You know, what was that like actually 
where you realize, okay, I really am the CEO. I've actually have employees I'm responsible for. Uh, and then, you know, making those decisions to grow the team, et cetera. Right. Yeah, that, that was very much on the job training. Um, I had run kind of small tech teams before. Uh, the largest sort of team size I had been the manager of was about five at that point in time. And, you know, my previous companies have been really, really tiny. So this was, um, this was a different, a different ball game. Um, well, and you're yeah. responsible for payroll now, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, everything. Um, so yeah, that, that was a learning experience. And um, I, you know, I, I, I think, you know, the advice that I would give somebody who uh, was thinking about going into this career is, uh, um, you know, maybe like have an experience a little bit earlier on in your career where you work with really good managers and work in an entrepreneurial environment, you know, because uh, if you work with a small growing company, you can really get hands on a lot of a lot of different things. I, didn't, I never really had that because, you know, I always had a job and, that, and academia is somewhat entrepreneurial, um, but it's just it, it's a different thing. Um, and so I, of course, made you know, every mistake. I hired the wrong people. I you know, had to learn so much on the job. Uh, one of the things I did is uh, worked with a, a coach um, for, for hmm. a number of years. He helped me work through some sticky issues uh, and finally kind of figured out hiring um, and sort of hiring for, for the right things and, you know, have been able to build a team where now we've got, you know, many members who've been here for, for multiple years. And uh, so it's, we're in kind of a different stage of the company, but yeah, it's very much on, on, on the job training, everything from our project management styles to hiring and, you know, all the administrative stuff. Um, it's very much a learning experience. That's perhaps a great segue into my next question. You know, I think when, you know, a lot of the people I've interviewed for development or so far individual contributors being in a, CEO position, uh, especially at a company your size, you know, this, this question of hiring is, is all important. Uh, share with us some, some tips and, and things that you've learned. You know, you've hinted at this. Like, what are, what are some concrete lessons that you've learned around hiring and what you look for in people going forward now? Yeah, I, I, I would characterize my learnings as uh, – they're almost a little bit more introspective. So uh, you have to be very honest with yourself about um, why you're hiring and what you're hiring for. So when you're starting a company very early on, you really will have a bias uh, and, and, and really sort of be susceptible to the flattery that comes with somebody saying, yeah, I want to work on your project, you know, because like that's a, that's a pretty big deal. You know, if, if you're a one or two person company and you know, you're able to, to make that next hire, um, you know, that's a huge marginal increase for your company, uh, but you need to hire, yeah. you need to hire the right person. So um, being very clear in knowing the reasons why you're hiring, knowing that person's going to be a fit and, um, and, and, you know, thinking about it, not so much emotionally and, um, you know, taking a step back, I think is a, is a really key thing. Um, you know, I, I definitely made a bunch of those mistakes kind of early on because, I mean, this was an idea, you know, my ideas 
we were a small startup and it was a counterintuitive idea for a lot of people. Uh, not so much anymore. I mean, it still is a little bit, but you know, in 2012, people heard this idea and they said, you know, you're just absolutely crazy. This is the dumbest idea. And I'd heard that so many mm. times that uh, I, you know, was like, okay, anybody who'll work with me, you know, I'll take you. So, um, <laughs> yeah. so that's a mistake. Right. And so being very clear yeah. about why you're hiring, what you're hiring for, and then having, you know, having a good way, uh, having a good system of management in place. Um, where there's clear delineations of responsibilities and clear expectations and a clear workflow. Um, that's really key for a small startup because I have talked to uh, just kind of endless companies where uh, they don't have a, they don't have a good process management place or they try and overbuild their process management. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, then it, then, you know, it's kind of like trying to hyper corporatize, you know, a three person company. Um, you know, doing that, doing that right is an art and it requires a bunch of people to be really in sync. But I think that can really help with, with, um, you know, with the, the people that you're bringing on because they want to know how they're contributing. They want to know how they're advancing the mission. They want to have clear responsibilities. They want guidance, you know, like you don't want to have a company where it's like, everybody's like, okay, you figure out what you want to do. Like, that's not, most people do not thrive in that kind of role. You know, a lot of people need guidance. They need, they need a roadmap. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, the advice is, is like hiring for the right reasons. And, you know, when, when you bring new employees in, where you bring employees into your team, you know, have, having the appropriate structure for them to really excel is, uh, is key. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, as a founder at that size too, it's always this delicate balance of, what you know like you're so used to doing everything and then you hand off you, you you're you're essentially carving out a piece of yourself every time along the way and saying okay this this thing now needs full attention and mm-hmm. and it, in fact that person can now do this better than me but i've got to be willing to invest that time mm-hmm. absolutely yeah so perhaps shifting gears a little bit. So now you're about 15 people. Is that? No, we're, we're 11. 11. Yeah. 11. Yep. So what do you kind of see, you know, looking forward, what are the, the main challenges as you think about, you know, what's the, the next year and the next two years? Sounds like you've got some good market adoption. People now recognize that this distraction thing is real. Yeah. Uh, you know, what do you see as the main challenges in guiding the company as a CEO for the next few years? Yeah. So we're, we're now at the point where we need to scale. And um, I mean, you know, every company is going to say that they need to scale or, you know, that's going to be like slide number one of their deck. But um, you know, for us, we had, uh, we had a, a long, it took us a while to build out our technology and there are, there are reasons for that. You know, what we do is kind of non-trivial. We're not a, you know, content streaming app or, you know, or, or like something where, you know, the, the, we were inventing new technology and building it in a multi-platform way, which was uh, non-trivial. And it took us, it took us a couple of years to get it right. Um, thankfully, there was always enough kind of uh, a market demand that we were able to take the time to build it right. And we really only kind of turned that corner last year. And, and we also had some really significant challenges last year 
um, where uh, we, you know, got in a fight with Apple and this and that. Uh, so last year was supposed to be our kind of big year of scaling um, and really putting all our resources behind that. But we ended up uh, having to put our resources behind more tech build out. And, and so mm. this year was a little bit of a, a miss for us. This year, it is really all about growth. So um, the team is uh, really focused. We've got a, uh, you know, we've, we've built this technology that runs extremely efficiently. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a nice product. Um, and we are, uh, we are, we're thinking about how we scale it out um, and how we get it in front of more people and what do we need to do to it to, uh, to, to make it a useful product for people and to make it a scalable product. Um, you know, we built this great brand. Uh, there's a lot of awareness in the space and we're really mission driven on like, you know, uh, you know we firmly believe that um, using something like freedom and having freedom help you can, you know, help, you will do better quality work. You will do the best work that you've ever done in your life with it. So we need to, we need to get that out there and we need to uh, get that in front of more people. So um, my my challenge, you know, as, as you know, I, I, again, even though my background isn't CS, I I do think of myself as a tech founder. You know, I wrote a lot of the code. I even still code a little bit these days. And um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good in that role. Um, and like, give me, give me something that needs to be built. I can get it built. And this is a new challenge for me, which is um, scale something, you know, cause like the way my companies have always worked is, you know, I built something there's a demand for it. And now, um, and now it's, you know, can we scale that demand up? Yeah. That's a good segue into perhaps my last question on opportunities and challenges. And it's really about how do you, you know, in many regards, the CEO is the, the pinnacle one can reach within a company. And obviously, you could go work at bigger companies, et cetera. Um, but how do you actually approach your personal growth as a CEO? I mean, you know, you, obviously, you're focused on scaling. What do you do? What are some of the habits, uh, you know, besides, of course, using your own product to focus? But what are what are some of the habits, you know, in terms of, of getting that personal growth that I think many people in their career are after to get to that next level? Yeah, that, that is a good question. Um, so let me, let me think about it briefly. Like, yeah, the, the best advice, uh, you know, if, if, if someone wants to mature professionally is to work with other good people. Like the, the tough thing about being a CEO is you're largely where the buck stops. And there are plenty of companies where maybe the CEO will hire more, more um, senior, senior executives who will sort of help them in that role. You know, if there's kind of a founder CEO kind of relationship. Um, and I've certainly done that. I mean, I've surrounded myself with people on the marketing and tech side who are much stronger in those functions than I am. And I've learned a lot from them. Um, you know, that's kind of a, one of those embarrassment of riches kind of things though. Not everybody gets to do that and hire, but you know, I think that should be a goal uh, for every founder is to kind of hire. Mm -hmm. That's the cliche, hire people better than yourselves. But I mean, <laughs> like literally, yes, you should, you really should be doing that. Um, and like, you know, I kind of think of how I try and think of my leadership as, you know, I'm there to kind of serve my employees and, clear things out of their way and, you know, make them more efficient and 
help them do their best work. And so that's a lot of, a lot of what I do. And I feel pretty good in that role. Um, you know, how I've matured and, you know, I, like I said, I, I worked with a coach. I think that's a really good thing. Um, and yeah. uh, you know, very, very useful for new CEOs. Um, there, there will be a lot of, there will be a lot of resources in any community to find CEO coaches or executive coaches. Um, it's really, it's really kind of a worthwhile thing. You know, I read every book that I could get my hands on for a while. Um, you know, those ended up discouraging me more than anything else. You know, I found a couple books that I really liked, but, but a lot of books I read, I was like, this is completely unrealistic. Like I'm not running a um, publicly traded company you know, I'm running a team of four people. So, you know, yeah. like Jason Fried and the Basecamp people, like those books, they, they, um, they're pretty influential to me. Uh, it's a little bit more realistic, you know, and, yeah. um, and uh, you know, I had to learn how to have balance. I mean, the first couple of years of the company, I worked constantly. I was, uh, I got very unhealthy. I mean, I had, you know, it was just, I, I let everything go, you know, just on, for focusing on, on working. And, uh, you know, a couple of years in, I said, this is not the direction I want to go in. I need to change and change my habits. So as, uh, as you know, I, I got on the bike and, and, and forced myself to take some time off and, uh, you know, doing, doing some exercise or getting out and clearing your head can be really, really, really good. So you've got to really pay attention to the balance side of things too. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Uh, Fred, this has been really great. Any, any last bit of advice for somebody who's in this role of, you know, their, their baby cop, you know, they, they caught the, the bus, if you will, or the, the car and that this side hustle has then turned into a, a full-time gig and, and then led to, to being a CEO of a, of a 10 person and growing company. Any last bit of advice for somebody, you know, who's in a similar position or, or thinks that's the approach they want to go? <laughs> I was going to say, you know, <laughs> my advice would be uh, um, earlier on, it's uh, find the right accountant, but you know, if you've already done the, <laughs> no, seriously, that was like the first thing I did, but um you know, if, if you have grown to a 10 person company, you have already fought so many battles. I mean, it's crazy how much you learn even hiring, probably getting to like a four or five person company. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm not sure how much more I can add other than the people who are doing that are really doing incredible work. It's, it is really hard to, um, to scale a company. So, you know, good for that. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and and well enough. I mean, you you had a lot of good advice packed into the to the other questions, so I won't put you on the spot too much. So with that, Fred, I just want to thank you for your time and uh, best of luck to you and Freedom as you move forward. All right, thanks, Grant. My pleasure.